Hello and welcome back to the Club Coco Bell podcast. I'm really thrilled to have you here and our next guest is a badass of the highest order. Belinda Kirk is an adventurer, explorer and Guinness World Record holder and she's been leading groups around the wilds of the earth for the best part of 26 years. Recently she wrote a book called Adventure Revolution about the profound benefits that adventure can have on the human experience and I know this firsthand to be true. After reading Belinda's book and talking to her at her book launch I booked my own adventure and it has been utterly transformational and I'm really excited to explore this experience I had and the knowledge that Belinda has about her subject area in this podcast. So I really hope you enjoy the show. As always, any questions, do just feel free to get in touch via social media. And I look forward to hearing from you. Well, hello, Belinda. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to be here and and see you again. I know. (laughs) So obviously I've been aware of you you and your wonderful organisation Explorers Connect since about January 15 um, when I attended one of your events, which was fantastic. And of course, following on from that, I signed up for your mailing list. And every now, like every month um, or with regular frequency, you'll appear in my inbox and I'll go, oh, yeah, that sounds nice. And I'll read through it and have a look and then it will just be filed away. Um, and then it was only when um, I saw um, through your mailing list again that you had this wonderful book coming out, uh, Venture Revolution, that you were doing a talk for your book launch at Stanford's Bookshop in London that we had the chance to, well, connect. And I came to hear you talk. And in a nutshell, you were so inspiring about the benefits that adventure has for your soul and your well-being that it actually, literally the next day, I booked my own adventure. And <laughs> which, and like, I literally had a sick feeling about this adventure for two weeks before I went. But when I was there, um, it just felt so good. And um it really made me see how stepping out of my comfort zone was a lot easier than I I realised. So, yeah, and it's been transformational. It's literally helped me build and sort of gain momentum. So thank you so much for that. (laughs) The book book and you're working. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear that, um, I'm so glad to hear that you did something about that feeling of, oh, yeah, yeah, I fancy some of that, and that because it's so hard. That first step is so <laughs> hard. It's the hardest one. And I also love to see how many notes you've written in my book. I can see lots of post-it notes. Oh yes, yeah, I like to do my research. <laughs> and um, so I suppose by way of introduction, um, brief. I mean, I could do a whole podcast just talking about your adventures and everything that's just awesome about you. But I'll try and keep it brief, and then we'll talk more about like the things that make you tick. I suppose. But you've been an adventurer and an explorer uh, since a very young age, and that has led you to all the corners of the globe and amazing adventures, like like sailing the Atlantic. You've been the expedition manager for Ray Mears, Bear Grylls, Chris Ryan. You hold a Guinness World Record for sailing around Britain in the first female crew as a skipper 
which is fantastic. Um, when I, I'll just stop there. When I was doing my research, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to do a podcast with Belinda. She's so awesome. <laughs> but no, not at all. These little things start, you start on a track and you just build. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a great um, believer. Not always the best person he does. Well, it's often not the best person he does these things. It's just the person he, he's, he's more committed to doing it. <laughs> That's probably so true. So, I mean, and then you've obviously built a lot of experience in doing these adventures and helping different people, um, like, um, fulfil their own adventures, not only through... Um, your work with the film crews, as I said, with Ray Mears and Bear Grylls, et cetera, and for charity as well. But you've also brought together a community of people with Explorers Connect, which is fantastic. And now I suppose the, the, we're building towards you starting your own conference, Adventure Effects, um, which talks about obviously the benefits and how essential adventure is. And then also your wonderful book. So I suppose the natural place to start would be at the beginning. So would you mind just briefly just summing up how you, you've got into this amazing career that you've developed? What, what was, I know you mentioned it's about taking the first step and then building with commitment. So what for you was the first step? Um, I think Duke of Edinburgh Award when mm -hmm. I was about 15, 16. That mm -hmm. was that was probably the first step mm -hmm. that gave me the confidence to then go on my first expedition when I was 18. Mm -hmm. um, and without the Duke of Edinburgh award, I would never have done that. So mm -hmm. I went on my first expedition when I was 18, went to Africa mm -hmm. and I literally came back a changed person. Um, and it was when I first personally experienced that power, that mm -hmm. transformational power that, mm -hmm. that, that adventure has. Yes. Um, so yeah, it all started then. I I, I went I went out a, um, a a teenager with pretty low self esteem, mm -hmm. and not a lot of belief in what I could what I could do. Mm -hmm. um, but I came back with this this whole door had opened to like, wow, I could do this or this or this. I mean, my whole outlook had completely changed as mm -hmm. what I could do with my life. Amazing. Um, and what we can all do with our life now, I realise, we all deserve to to shoot for our dreams, to try for what we want to, to do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we don't try because we don't feel that we're good enough. And uh, that adventure changed everything. And it also taught me that I love adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, so you did your Duke of Edinburgh and then you, at 18, you went to Africa what was there, was there like a chain of events that led you to deciding that you were going to go to Africa? Was there like any resistance like that you felt to doing that or you had from other people? Yeah, so the the Duke of Edinburgh Award gave me the confidence and the interest in um, in doing something beyond what I thought I was capable of mm -hmm. um, or at least giving it a try, do you know what I mean? Um, but I, the other major input was my grandfather. He had been a zoology professor in Africa and he always talked about Africa a lot. And mm -hmm. his, um, my grandparents' house was full of African memorabilia and they had lived there for a huge amount of their careers. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there was these magical stories of elephants in the house and monkeys 
<laughs> Fabulous. Nicking, nicking stuff out of their bedrooms. Or something. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Um, I suppose, I don't know. I suppose it's a, a, seed, a seed. So when I wanted to take, I had, I had been compliant my whole school career. Mm-hmm. I had worked hard I, because it was expected of me. And I had done, I did, okay, I did well in the end. I did okay. You know, I did better than I thought. Mm-hmm. But I, I was always following someone else's path to a certain degree. And I think that's inevitable as a child. You know, yes. you need to be guided. Mm-hmm. But for the first time, I wanted to step away from what I was supposed to be doing and do something that I just wanted to do. I just felt compelled to do. And I okay. wanted to go and see Africa for myself. Mm. Um, and so that spurred me on. Um, it wasn't entirely popular. It back, <laughs> this was back in... <laughs> back a while ago now 26 years ago or something and back then gap years weren't really a thing I don't think that phrase was even around actually mm-hmm. um, so the thought of wasting a year as my parents called it you know um just sort of bumming about Africa and sort of <laughs> just what are you gonna why what are you gonna do it wasn't seen as a productive year mm-hmm. um, and instead why don't you just go straight to to university or work you know mm-hmm. but I just I think that little bit of confidence um made me think no I need I want this I don't know why but I want this um and um and yeah I went I I got to the point where I was it was terrifying in lots of ways I'd never been anywhere apart from Europe on mm-hmm. holidays um and I was going off into Africa you know when I, as an 18 year old um but I think the 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 fear of social embarrassment once I told everyone I was doing it was greater than the fear of actually what might happen it was so unknown to me that I thought well probably be okay and if it's really bad I'll just fly home I mean I could just change my flight and come home early you know I I might as well at least give it a shot Um, and everyone will take the mick out of me if I don't go anywhere Um, I think the other thing was that I made it easier because I joined an organized expedition at the start Right. I didn't just go out. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm a great believer that people should do stuff like that because it's a good way of learning. You know, mm-hmm. learn off people who have done more than you. <laughs> I mean, it's the best way of learning, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I spent I spent three months on an expedition in Tanzania first. Mm-hmm. When I first got there, I learned about operating in Africa. You know, in an in an underdeveloped country like uh, yeah, it was a huge eye opener. As yes. to how to be um and to build confidence further layers of confidence and then I, after that um I went traveling around Africa on my own wow perfect and then so you came back to the UK and how did you how did you arrive at the conclusion that you were like okay so this is maybe something I really want to pursue as a career and see if I can do I came alive I think I felt more alive than I'd ever felt before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I felt more authentic now I realize as well it was something that I had chosen and it was something I mean I think adventure and nature it's all within all of us actually yes innate but yes. for me at the time or maybe maybe it's more powerful for some people than others it's that's a good question but for me it was just overwhelmingly like wow this is something I need in my life mm-hmm. so I don't know how I'm going to do it but um and what I did for a long time was just work 
just get money doing all sorts of odd jobs, just saving money, saving every penny, yes. going on expeditions, and either initially paying to go on them, mm-hmm. getting my expenses paid, and then my full expenses paid, and then okay. paid eventually. But I, yeah. I, I, I worked as an apprentice, as it were. Mm-hmm. I took that route because back then there there wasn't and I couldn't see any other routes mm-hmm. um, in order to to build experience mm-hmm. um, now it's a much easier industry to get into and there's it's it's fantastic it's much bigger so there's lots more yes um, opportunities but back then it was just okay if I want if I want someone to pay me to do this I've got to get really good at it yes <laughs> if I want to get really good at it I'm gonna have to pay to go and do it a lot and get good at yeah. it I, I mean literally that was the simplicity of it yes in a way no that's brilliant and then you mentioned like you just said when you went on expedition that you just came alive and I know that you've done a lot of events and you've seen where you've led, led these wonderful expeditions and literally like feats of human endurance in most cases how uh, and people you will see people just come alive is there any sort of one or two particular stories of those instances of examples where you've just seen people just go into their flow and just completely just really just push the limits of human endurance and come alive really yeah do you know it so I've, I've taken people on adventures for 26 years mm-hmm. it makes me feel really old saying <laughs> but I've been researching and been curious into why it's beneficial mm-hmm. for a decade now because I've, mm-hmm. I've been researching why mm-hmm. people are transformed in a positive way mm-hmm. in all those interviews and um, that I've done with people as to why do you adventure why do you put yourself into these situations Mm-hmm. that's sometimes uncomfortable and difficult and challenging and and the thing that I hear most the phrase that I hear most is most alive or alive you know I feel alive or I feel most alive when I do adventures mm-hmm. and it's like ah that's what you know living is about living it's not about yes it's not about avoiding discomfort and whatever it, it's about feeling alive those are the things that that make life worth living those moments, those days, those hours, whatever it is, those experiences. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's all about that. Um, and so I've seen so many examples of people coming alive like that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it's, it, you only see a peak, a peak of it at the time and you see a lot more of the transformation later or, yes. or, or sometimes you see it come, um, come out, you know, unfold in front of you. Mm-hmm. goodness how can I um there's so many stories I'm trying to think which is a best one for the most come up I mean there was probably the best one to talk about now because it was so similar to my experience and it was a very important moment for me it was um a young a young woman called Alice I took into the Amazon mm-hmm. um on an Amazon expedition I had a big group of young people um and this was like 19 years ago or something I think <laughs> And um, she had had a lot of issues. Um, she was she has she had a lot of challenges. She was struggling academically, mm. socially. Um, but she came on this expedition, and um, she had trouble fitting in at first. She was while everyone else was making their friends, you know, and, and building bonds. She was still quite disparate, from, quite distant from the group. 
So I gave her a job of to, in order to connect her with different um, members of the team. It was a it was a job that meant she had to talk to everyone and really get immersed in the expedition and in the in the challenge ahead. Mm-hmm. And through the I think it was about six weeks we were in the Amazon. Through those six weeks, the meek, quiet, unconfident teenager who started, um, she got a bit more confident in base camp as, after I gave her this job and she started to build some more bonds. I then visited her group out in the jungle about three weeks later. And she was, by then, just three weeks in the Amazon, she was, she was sort of striding around camp. She, she had chosen, she had put herself up to be the base, uh, sorry, the, 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 the camp manager for that team. Mm-hmm. And she was like in control of this and the other. And she was sort of striding about. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I think that's Alice. And I, I literally had to do a double take when I first saw her, I thought. Because her whole demeanor had changed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but, and she, she, she just seemed like a different person. Mm-hmm. And that whole idea of coming alive, she was, she was sparkling. I, oh, that was the only word that I could think of, you know. She was, I was just so, like, I was, I was taken aback at just how, how different on first appearances she seemed. Mm-hmm. And then the beauty of that is that actually that transformation continued when we got back um, back to England, six months after the expedition, we present our expedition at the Royal Geographical Society. Mm-hmm. And we were all there. And I met her mother for the first time at that presentation. And her mum literally gave me a bear hug and just was like, like we were long lost friends. And she said, Alice is totally transformed. You know, six months later, she's doing better at school. She's got lots of new friends. Um, and she's helped, she helped, she was helping out at home more and her whole attitude, not her attitude isn't the right word, because, but she wasn't struggling. She, yes. She'd moved from struggling into building, mm-hmm. rebuilding her life, mm-hmm. her future. And it was so amazing because this, she'd come alive in, in the Amazon and this was the, uh, out, you know, this was the, this was the result six months yes. later. That's so, yeah. fantastic. That's so good. I just can't believe, and it's just like even like just having a tiny snippet of that myself is I can see why, and it's like you we kind of like especially with the last couple of years that we've had, I think it's so like that comfort zone certainly it's almost like insidious. I think is it maybe I don't know if that's the right word, but it felt it to my in personal reflection it felt insidious. It just starts and it just gets gradually, gradually very small, very small. And then to step out of that and do adventure for growing, for like, I know you mentioned in the book about how essential it is to healing. It just really is fundamental to keep that because you're you're so right in terms of, I was reading the other day about um, how people want to, they're like, people are like, I want to be happy. I want to be happy. That's what I want. Happiness is a very hard thing to quantify. And I think it's more about fulfillment, which is what, you're saying it's not necessarily about having a completely easy life but having that fulfillment that you get for adventure is so essential and it doesn't and yeah it doesn't matter like if you're struggling that's part of the fulfillment yeah well 
the whole idea of leaving your comfort zone is that you're going to be uncomfortable. Yes. You're, doing, you're actually choosing it. Yes. <laughs> you're um you're choosing to be uncomfortable. You're choosing yes. to be scared or cold or wet or hungry or whatever it is. Yes. Because you know that the the benefit you'll get mm-hmm. greater than the discomfort mm-hmm. is probably only passing. It's only transitory, and then you'll you'll get something much greater. Mm-hmm. And I think you talked about the insidious nature of the last couple of years and what we've all been through and this sort of idea of comfort and ease. I think we've all, because we've been forced to, you know, by the situation that we've all been mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. we, we, we've all obviously become less sociable. Mm-hmm. We've, we've all retracted in a way. Mm-hmm. So our, I think our comfort zones have probably retracted with us mm-hmm. because we're doing less and less unfamiliar things and yes we're, we're doing and, and obviously there's this 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 culture of you know fearfulness um whether it be for yes. ourselves or for elderly relatives or, or our children or whatever mm-hmm. so i think that uh, i think our i think in life you choose to do activities mm-hmm. that build you up or you do activities that reduce you Mm-hmm. And I think yes. because of what's happened in the last couple of years, we've we've, shr- we've shrunk our comfort zone, but we've shrunk our experience along mm-hmm. with that. It's all the same. It's all the same, and and our confidence is it comes with comes with it. Whereas if you do something like an adventure or do something else that's outside of your f- comfort zone, outside of your familiar, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to push you a bit, but you choose. The difference is you choose to do this. You, yes. It hasn't been forced upon you. You choose to take something on. Mm-hmm you are not necessarily in control of everything, but you, you're choosing to be there. Yes. Then you stretch yourself, uh-huh. and you build yourself. And mm-hmm. instead of getting into situations where you're, instead of, you know, it's in a way, um, I'm waffling a bit, but we have this contraction, mm-hmm. let's push ourselves back out again. Mm-hmm. Adventure is a great way of doing that because it's so physically and mentally immersive. Mm-hmm. You step out of your comfort zone. And when you step out and you do something new, you get all these wonderful feelings of achievement and excitement and engagement and joy and awe and everything. But but also your comfort zone has stretched again. And yes. you know that you can notice that because your world is enriched and your life and your comfort zone is comes out to meet your new experience. You don't step back into your comfort zone. Your comfort zone comes out to meet you in your bigger, wider comfort zone. Yes. <laughs> so your life is wider. And, yes. and you go, oh, and once you do it, this is the thing, once you do it once, you're like, oh, if yeah. I can do that, then I can do something else, whether it be another adventure, another adventure, or a, oh, but I, or write a book or start a business or ask that guy on a date or whatever it is. Yes. You do more and more and you, you start to build out. And I think mental health is like physical health. Mm-hmm. You're constantly getting into patterns that either degrade your health or build them up. Yes. And you don't you don't go to the gym once and think, right, that's it, I'm fit for the year. Mm-hmm. To keep I hate the gym actually, forget the gym. It's <laughs> so boring. Let's say on a trail run or something. Yes. You, you, you keep doing it because you actually get these you you get a you keep your physical health going. And hopefully yes. it's enjoyable along the way. Yes. It's not just a, a pain. And it's the same with mental health. You keep doing things that build you up, mm-hmm. or you keep doing things and get into routines that like getting too much social media, too much screen time, mm-hmm. not enough social time, and you start to, well, your mental health starts to get worse. It's 100%. It, 
yeah, you just have to sometimes reset. And we all have to. We all get into the wrong habits. <laughs> um, it, it's pretty it's easy. a welcome way of changing that, though, isn't it? Yes. It's not like, oh, you have to go to the gym. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And I think because, like, you you were saying it's it comes down to you have to make that it's a choice sometimes I feel like certainly going to the gym or something like that they're they're they're, um you feel like you have to do it and you don't really want to but if you're making a choice to step outside your comfort zone that is a completely different thing yeah and also if you pick the right thing like trail running rather for me going to the gym I'll feel kind of righteous about it afterwards (laughs) yeah I'm glad I did that I need to do that but yeah. I kind of don't really, I've never really enjoyed the gym. I have only done it when I've actually had to. Yeah. Whereas going for a trail run, if you pick the right kind of adventurous activity, yes. sorry, exercise, you actually mm-hmm. look forward, to, you, you end up looking forward to it and enjoying yes. it at the time and afterwards, because then you can also pat yourself on the back. But it's exactly. just a lot easier to, to do. Yes. No, it is. And so encompassing all of that I was going to ask this at the end but I'll ask you it now because it fits in quite nicely if you're someone that for example has like they, they they found the last two years very hard not necessarily maybe they're fearful but it's it's like workers said you need to work from home and therefore you don't leave your house because you've got no reason to so you just stay in your comfort zone and then you go to the sofa and for whatever reason you've just become immersed in that world of social media perhaps you've just you've not looked after your body and you don't feel so great what advice would you give to someone in that position like what would you say to them someone who is like literally like I've been in my comfort zone for so long and I'm really terrified and I don't know how to get out I think everyone's different so I don't want to put the pressure on anyone to no specific. <laughs> but then I think that anything you said yes just say get started you know yeah so for some people that might be go and join a running a, you know like a trail running club Yes. Where you've got the social support to go and do your running. Yeah. But it's also a bit more fun and da da da. Or it might be to go and camp in your garden or, or yes. it might be it could be anything, but or or join a, a bouldering wall, you know, go bouldering. Yes. But if you go and do something, mm-hmm. then that you will start to get the feedback. Yes. The lovely feedback loop will start. But if you never and but if you don't do that first step, you can't you can't, can't get the feedback that will help yeah. to boost you on. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing to remember is, is that first step is always the hardest. Mm-hmm. If we've gotten into a rut, if we've gotten into a pattern of behaviour that's not good for us, and I've done this myself, we all, uh, you know, writing the book through lockdown, I was not good. I mean, having children, things happen. <laughs> yes. Life gets, and, and, and also, you know, bad things happen in life. Mm-hmm. You know, we might, people will have had bereavements and, of course people have gotten scared and yes and times have been very difficult so don't don't berate yourself for having gotten into that place mm-hmm. just think oh rec- recognize you want to change something yes. and make a small step mm-hmm. because that first step is the hardest mm. but once you start it will get easier so if you if you know that just think this is my put all my energy into that first step yes and then it will start to feed back um and build that momentum yeah absolutely but you just have to get started now do something yes. like you brilliant you came to my talk 
Yeah. And you didn't say, I'm going to do something oh, maybe next week or tomorrow. You literally did something next day yeah. about that. Okay, you worried for the next two weeks. But, <laughs> yeah. but that was also excitement. It wasn't just worry. It was exactly. excitement and in bus- butterflies, you know. <laughs> but what if you hadn't done something straight away? If you'd left it and left it, you probably would have mm. forgotten about it and just not done anything. Because um, that's how life works. We yeah. get stuck. <laughs> It was very funny because, like, on this adventure, my in order of my things that I was stressed out about, jumping into cold water several times, not being able to keep up on the hikes, and having my mobile phone taking off, taking off me with my three things. The fact that I had to share a room, I was going by myself and I had to share a room with someone I'd never even met before. That wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even care about that. It was just the cold water and everything that really scared me. But yes, so Everyone, everyone's scared of different things, aren't yeah. they? Everyone's benefits <laughs> in different ways. So it, it yeah, yeah. Is it interesting? Bad about it. Yeah, I think it's better. I think it, you almost should feel more proud if you were scared about and worried about something you did it. Yes, we should switch that around in our heads and go. Actually, I did that anyway. My son's learning to swim with his best friend. Yeah, his best friend. My son is quite fearless at the moment about it mm-hmm. and, da, da, da. and his best friend is brilliant but he's a little he's a bit more careful about a bit more fearful of the whole thing basically okay mm-hmm. and I I've said I you know and for me I sort of think good on you because mm-hmm. he's scared but he he still jumped in eventually what you know wants his yeah. support and he still let go of the float and he still did the stuff and in a way we should almost um we should almost um we should celebrate that more because he actually has learned more because he's overcome fear. And that's a a much more important life skill and and something to be celebrated more than someone who's, Oh, I'm not that scared. I'm just going to go and do it. That is Um, so true. But anyway, that's no, that's a brilliant way of looking at things. And then I know you mentioned your son um, and he's learning to swim. Um, And he is also, I believe, approaching school age. Um, now, obviously, he's your child. He's the child of an adventurer. Um, he's been exposed to all that brilliant stuff, walks on Dartmoor, etc. And as I mentioned, he's coming to school age where he will go into an environment where he will be uh, surrounded by uh, people that perhaps have more an indoor um, screen-based life um, or... and they and also an environment where obviously health and safety is very and child safety rightly so in in most cases but is 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 paramount but um I know that how you mentioned your book about how sometimes that health and safety environment becomes sort of very um coddling in a way so I just wondered in how have you thought about how you are planning on balancing him obviously being a very young age having this adventure mindset, going into a completely different environment and how are you going to manage that and the questions that might flow up from him? <laughs> I, think it, I think it's really difficult. Mm. I think I, I obviously believe that the most important thing I need to do as a parent um, and that, say the schools need to do is to keep the children safe. I mean, it's not that I, it's not that I think we should just be throwing caution to the wind yes. with safety. Yes, I think. But what I do think is that we've forgotten that there's a balance between physical safety and mental health. Yes, we actually have to, you know, the safety of our mental health is just as important as the safety of our of our 
of our physical beings. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, so we have to get the balance right. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes if we overprotect and don't let children do anything for themselves or learn by mistakes, mm-hmm. then they can't actually grow coping mechanisms and be ready to enter the world as adults. Eventually. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, capable adults that have <laughs> that can fall down and brush themselves up. Yes. You know, get back up, brush themselves off and get on with it. Mm-hmm. And so my first job as a parent is to keep him safe. And my second job as a parent is to prepare him to go into the world as an adult. So yes. it, and and so situations, uh, there's always a balance to be to be found. Mm. My little boy is only just turned four. He was four yeah. yesterday. Uh-huh. Oh, happy birthday yeah (laughs) and it's like yeah and you know as he gets older I'm trying to to not give not give him risk or give him you know danger but give him more opportunity to make decisions and to take responsibility and and actually his favorite phrase at the moment is I want to do it on my own Uh, (laughs) but as you say putting him into school it's like it's it's an alarm bell has gone off for me and my father that not well mostly because we just don't want to lose him this is like we have yeah. him all the time you know nearly all the time he has a little bit of time in nursery my goodness he's going to be in school and we're not going to have time we're not going to have that time to hang out with him so we're desperate we're like really focused on making the most of the next sort of eight months or whatever we've got left until he starts school yeah. like having adventures doing stuff as a family spending time together but yes how do you choose I mean how do I how are we thinking about those those that 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 finals you know September when it comes around and he goes to school well there's two things we've been looking at um, a I think it's it's about there are the different school the schools we've looked at are very very different that's what I didn't realize until I because I've not had a child you know we've not had kids before um and actually some schools are really into outdoor learning I, I think a lot of schools will talk about outdoor learning but some schools really put it at the heart of what they're doing Okay. we're very lucky that we found a school near to us that really does I've been in, we've been incredibly impressed by it yeah it's really into outdoor learning so um and they haven't got lots of resources and money and whatever you know because I think that is a barrier to a lot of schools you know it, it's really well how do we do outdoor learning when we've only got this and it's it, it is really hard mm. but they've been really really um they've been really creative and really focused on outdoor learning is an important thing so it's fantastic they even have an adventure award that they, that, that you can build on through primary school I mean Super. it's a really good school yeah so might be that school but also we've been looking at part-time homeschooling which yes. um is something we've just found out about flexi schooling we're looking oh, at but you know financially it's very difficult and also you know yes. it, it's tough you know because yes part, only work part-time for another few years Yes. Like, oh, it's tricky. Yes. And, you know, not everyone has that opportunity. Not everyone has flexible jobs. But mm. we're mm. looking into that possibility as well. No, that's really, that's interesting to hear, actually. And it's like, yeah, it, I, it's like you said before, in terms of like giving advice to people in terms of stepping out your comfort zone, it is individual and like how you bring up your child is and how you prepare him best it depends on your individual circumstances. So it's very interesting. Um, so the other question I had for you was, we've talked about obviously how important it is that people adventure, 
And in, in the interest of full disclosure, when I read about Andy Kirkpatrick in your book, taking his 13-year-old daughter to climb El Capitan, I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. That sounds like something I can do. Maybe, or I'd want to do, sorry, not that I can do, many years in uh, down the line. But, um, and like, yes, yeah, so I suppose I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to go and start trying to like train for that or do what I need to do for that. And I suppose my question to you is, in this time of the world where it's obviously become like up until recently, travel became easier. Um, there are a lot of people, I suppose, that see different challenges and things on social media. And like, especially with re reference to like climbing Everest, you can just pay a lot of money to go there without what I would possibly term in as paying your dues, putting in the hard work. And it becomes more of a sort of ego-driven um, need to tick off that adventure as opposed to you go and you graft and you earn that like the big challenge and I wondered if you had encountered this and this type of person and how you deal with that really yeah I think it has become a thing that mm. it I think it used to be that people would sit around at dinner tables and at dinner parties and sort of go oh I've got my new Ferrari or whatever yeah. Now it's like, oh, I've just done this ultra or I've just climbed up yeah. or whatever. And so it has become something that is almost like a valuable thing. Mm -hmm. It's like a tick. It's not just a tick box, but it's like a table. And that is not why I adventure. Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's where adventure is beneficial. Mm -hmm. In a way, it's almost non-adventuring because it's all about instead of about your personal growth and and experiencing nature and adventure for the sake of it yes you're doing it because you want to show off later or, or not show off maybe it's because you want to prove something to someone or you know yeah just it's not mm. just um it's not just ego sometimes it's about wanting to prove because of a lack of ego prove it yeah to people that you can mm -hmm. do something um and it is funny, specifically, I say Everest is a is a funny one because um, a lot of climbers I know sort of you'll hear like proper climbers, people who are really really good climbers. They'll talk mm. about um, they'll talk about the fact that they wish K two was just that little bit higher. Yeah. If, if it was the highest mountain in the world, you, we wouldn't have queues of people. Yes. Die. Yes. Die in these queues to the top of Everest. I know. Which. I, I totally understand people going to pursue adventures for the sake of the adventure, mm -hmm. but not so much in terms of doing it because it's a tick box or or because to kind of jo join the yeah. after dinner speakers route. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's 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 done in the completely for di completely different reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, if mm -hmm. people do get into adventure for that reason. They also then get to experience how adventure really is. And I think and I think they can get a lot of benefit from it. Yes. I, I don't think it's very good PR for adventure. No. When when we see people queuing on Everest who are, as you say, not they haven't paid their dues. It, it, people, anyone who climbs Everest without a superstar um, guide dragging yeah. them up half the way has my full respect. And to be fair, anyone, even if people do get helped up, 
I mean, there's a certain amount of respect to that, but it, it's a very different mm-hmm. achievement. Yes. And I would, and I actually met an Everest summiteer years ago. We both mm-hmm. spoke at the same event. Um, this was a good 10 or so years ago. And she actually was scared of going climbing in Scotland without, mm-hmm. prop, like she did all of her climbing with someone better than her. Yes. Guiding her. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be, I think, I think she was one of the, at the time she was the youngest maybe. Okay. I can't remember. But I just thought, well, how strange, because you're not in, empowering yourself. You're kind of, you have, there's a whole chunk of adventure and the, <laughs> the beauty of it that you're missing, completely missing. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's not, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but mm-hmm. um, it's not, it's not why I adventure. No, no. Yeah. And you've beautifully summed up the reasons to adventure in your book and you've been adventuring as you've alluded to for a long time why was now the right time to write a book why do you think it was now uh, lots of reasons um i have been i've been talking about the power of adventure to change lives for <laughs> over for probably 8 years or something <laughs> and i I was getting through to people and certain things had happened and it was good to see that, but mm-hmm. it wasn't really getting to m- enough people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, once I, once I'd seen this work for 26 mm-hmm. years for hun- hundreds of people with my own eyes, I'd seen witnessed the evidence myself. Then I was doing all the research because I was curious to find out why. And I, I needed to understand because I'm a, I suppose I'm a biologist. I'm a scientist by background. I just wanted to understand. And so I did all this research into psychology, evolutionary psychology, adventure education, outdoor education, tourism research. I'd read so many papers and books. And I I started to create an argument in my head and Mm -hmm. and an answer to this question of like, why is adventure good for us? And I thought, well, I should really write a book about this about six, seven years ago. I remember I sat down with Alistair Humphreys and had a had a had a rum in this rum bar in Bristol. I said, got this idea for a book. Um, <laughs> and but it's going to be really hard. <laughs> do you think anyone else, do you know anyone else who's written this book already? Or do you think it's someone who, who's more qualified to write this book? Because I didn't feel I was qualified because mm. I'm not a scientist properly anymore. I mean, that's yeah, I'm not a scientist. I'm an I'm an explorer and adventurer now. But then over the years, I just thought, no, it's so, no one else is writing this book, so I need to write it because we need to have a clear argument as to why adventure is so good for us. Yes. We're not valuing it. And if we, if we understand why we should value it, then mm-hmm. we will make time to add it to our own lives, add it to our children's lives, and also into public policy and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, and then the other final key was the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, was. Um, I had to cancel all the adventures I had planned, obviously, like everyone else. Mm. And I finally made myself sit at a table yeah. and tap away. And it's so hard to write a book. I have massive respect for authors. It takes enormous self-discipline. Yes. I did enjoy the process as well, but it, at start, it was so alien to me that I just had to use a huge amount of self-discipline of just like, yeah, you go through, you go through waves of joy of like yes this is so gosh it's so exciting I'm, I, I'm by writing it you're figuring it out more and more mm-hmm. but also it is the pain of I don't understand I can't make this work <laughs> and, yeah reading these scientific reports that are 
really quite dense and full yes. of jargon and I'm not used and I'm not practicing that anymore and I was like uh-huh. oh, I can't get it <laughs> it's really painful <laughs> but like an adventure <laughs> pain but there's um my goodness it was absolutely worth it in the end a labor a real labor of love it's like you had another child in lockdown yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I suppose just finally in terms of like advice that you would give your so you get the opportunity to speak to 18 year old Belinda she's just about to get on the plane to Africa what advice as yourself now would you give 18 year old Belinda I think trust your instincts is probably the main thing mm-hmm. um, and not to be fearful of imposter syndrome not to let imposter syndrome stop me yeah. from um that stopped me a lot over the years that idea mm. oh, I'm not the right oh, I'm not the right person or why you know yeah um yeah I think just trust your instinct because um adventure teaches you definitely was taught me authenticity and you can only really be be fulfilled I think if you're if you're truly authentic and that takes a lot of confidence and a lot of practice maybe if you don't have that naturally which I don't yeah um you have to keep reminding yourself that you are you deserve it and you're worth it because everyone is actually (laughs) you know to be authentic everyone's deserves to try to get there so I think trusting your instinct is a huge part of that because um uh, it's easy to get if you don't if you yeah it's easy to get swayed by other people's opinions yeah um um, or feel that that ever ever present question of oh this is what I should be doing um you know uh, and so yeah try not to do that try to be trust your instinct and you will, and it will always be right, I think. Yeah. Belinda, I'm so glad that you trusted your instincts and you didn't let imposter syndrome get the better of you. And we get to have this amazing conversation today after an amazing, well, an ongoing amazing career in adventuring and like just promoting how brilliant it is. Um, obviously, the book, um, which I'll hold up again, Adventure Revolution, you can get from Stanford's bookshop, travel bookshop in London. It is an amazing little treasure hole. Like that, I and I just love going there. Um, and you can obviously get it in all good bookshops too. If people want to find out more about you, where is the best place to find out about you aside from the book? Um, there's uh, BelindaKirk.com. Yes, <laughs> having a website like that. I'm um, also ExplorersConnect.com. Yes, uh, you can contact me through either of those. Uh-huh. I also do a bit of social media. I don't do huge amounts because I, I don't think it's very good for my mental health, to be perfectly honest. No, that's um, fair enough. Or anyone else's. But yeah. I do do a bit because you have to yes. do a bit nowadays. So you can find mm-hmm. me on Instagram at um, Explorer Belinda. Yes. And also Explorers Connect. And I, yes. Uh, you can contact through Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Perfect. I mean, yeah, and Explorers Connect is completely like amazing. Anyone who wants to find like-minded people, it, that is your first port of call. It is phenomenal. So, Belinda, thank you so much. I'm very appreciative of your time today. So, thank oh, you very much. Yes, and I'm yes, and I'm really excited to see what the next chapter is. So.
So yes, <laughs> thank Maybe you. Not a chapter of a book for the minute, but yeah. <laughs> Next chapter of adventure. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. <laughs> hey, it's been brilliant to 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 have a proper chat. Really, yes. it's been lovely to have a talk to you. Thank you. I'm have so a glad to hear that you're doing some adventures. I know. Yes, and they will continue. They will continue. <laughs> Wow, what an inspiration Belinda is, and I'm truly privileged that she took the time to sit down and chat through with me. And if you didn't think she was inspiration enough, she's about to start walking across Lanzarote, so 70 kilometres, with her four-year-old son. There we go. I'll leave that there. I have no more to say apart from she's just awesome. I do encourage you to follow her on social media. If you're in search of your own adventure, Explorers Connect is an amazing place to start. And also to support independent booksellers such as Stanford's. If you're in London or Bristol, go and visit them in store and see the vast quantity of books that they have to offer. Honestly, it's truly an amazing Aladdin's cave for the inspiration of adventure. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Feel free to connect with me on social media. If you have time to leave us a review, that is fantastic and I really appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking to you very soon.